I am good. I was actually on your um, website finally checking it out. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation to be on your show. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. You hung in there with me. Um, I occasionally go on and off of um, Match FM app um, website and off of it for the present time. However, you stayed in my email box, so here we are. <laughs> Talking about a very current hot topic subject of diversity within uh, Catholicism as well as the world in general, because that seems to be a big fight right now. It really Especially is. Especially in the yeah. religious world. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm sure you saw the news about the Baptist Convention. Yeah, and I also saw, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I saw the news. But what they fail to talk about often, and I'm just going to say it for what it is, all the studies have shown that when the Baptist Convention is in town, porn sites get an uptick. So I'll leave that alone. That's another conversation. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. Almost every time there's a, there's a Christian, major Christian convention, all the porn sites get an uptick. Yep. Wow. Um, they fail to realize that stuff is being tracked in the hotels and everywhere else. They choose to acknowledge it. But, but today we're not talking about the negative side of that, in that context. <laughs> we're talking about the positive side of what can be done. And I don't, I know very little about Catholicism, but what I do know is that on the surface, it tends to not want to be very diverse or open to women no more than my former religion did. So I'm an ex Jehovah's Witness. So it's all about male power and male control. Yes. Um, so, but that's enough. That's a, that's an episode I can do by myself because I, I lived that life almost 40 some years where I found the courage to walk away. But, um, oh, wow. I would love to hear that story. I do hope you record an episode. It's an important story to tell, I think, you know, the awakening of men to that are desiring something more, more full, more mm-hmm. rich. Well, actually, um, some parts of the story have already been told in episode one of my very first podcast. But, you know, it, I'm, I'm sharing more and more of it in different elements. I actually shared a part of it with my uh, the bishop of my current church. Uh, but anyway, this is not so much about me today. This is about you and <laughs> your your willingness to be a vanguard for the freedoms that women should have in the religious the religious setting. Thankfully, in my place of worship, there are women in all aspects of leadership. Uh, I'm in a very open-minded, liberal, um, non-denominational church. Who uh, only a few weeks ago, I just recently found that he used to be very conservative in his thinking, but now it's like wow. But um, so I see the move of God mm-hmm. in the aspect of women being used in all types of positions. Um, but now back to what you encountered as an ordained minister, as a father in the Catholic faith. Um, this is about you and your time to share. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I would just give a little background okay. so that you and your listeners could understand a little bit about the church and this movement. Mm-hmm. Go for so, it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, the women's ordination movement. So the Roman Catholic Church, I would argue, is the largest, most widespread, oldest patriarchy mm-hmm. in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for centuries, it has kept women out of ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, a very concerted effort arose in the 70s, maybe naturally so with everything that was going on to get women ordained in the church. 
Um, but it wasn't until 2002 and, you know, it hasn't, the movement hasn't been, it's been successful in a lot of different ways, but it hasn't been successful in actually making change in the institutional church. Mm -hmm. So I, I think maybe out of frustration or multiple reasons in 2002, a bishop ordained women as priests. So illegally. And then the next year, he ordained women as bishops, and those women have been ordaining women as priests and bishops since. So there's 260 what are called Roman Catholic women priests all over the world. And so mm. I I got ordained um, in October 2021, so I'm still, you know, young on the journey as a priest, Um and I did it after a long and winding road of really obeying church teaching for almost 20 years before I got ordained. It just got to the point where I, I could not grow anymore. And I was forced to choose between my obedience to God and what God was asking me to do and the obedience to the church. So it's kind of you know, a no brainer in the sense it's not really an option. I had to choose God. And so then once I was illegally ordained, I was punished with excommunication, which means mm -hmm. I can't work for the church. I can't volunteer for the church. I can't receive any of the sacraments in the church. So I'm essentially persona non grata, not welcome. Um, so it's a huge sacrifice, uh, but also it's such a rewarding path. And I feel very close to Jesus in the sense that he walked a path for the good, the sacrifice to, for the good of the world. So it's not so much about myself as it is really working for women and girls all around the world who deserve to be treated as co-equals, whether it's in the church or not. So that's just a little bit of kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's a lot better than the bio which people are going to read when they read it. Was I posted yeah. after, the, after the show's <laughs> over. Because um, it was posed to me when I was talking to my fiance about the show, and she kind of like, well, I don't know about Catholicism yet. They're talking diversity. I, my instincts told me you were probably excommunicated or was chose witness to say disfellowship from an organization once you come out and speak freedom in line with scripture, not freedom in line with doctrine. Um, and so it doesn't make you any less of a Catholic because someone has decided to label you. Yes. And, I mean, it actually, I feel. It actually empowers. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm just more and more deeply Catholic every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my faith is growing tremendously where it's my relationship with the institutional church is fraught. But I do it really out of love. I, I think a lot of people who disagree think I'm doing it out of selfishness or, you know, for power. Or, you know, all these things get projected onto you when you are fighting for justice, as you know. Mm -hmm. So um, it's but really it's an act of great love because I want the institution to be more in line with God. I don't want it to be doing harm. <laughs> I want it to be doing good, you know? Mm -hmm. So it really is an act of love. You know, so really um, what I've encountered, it, the institution as you refer to it as, it's grown, it's got, it has 
thankfully received um, his leadership. A few popes over the past few years, they have been more open-minded. So they, I don't know these individuals personally, I never will. But from what I can see on the media, by means of the media, they choose to hold on to their power instead of acting on what they believe because they will find themselves in a position similar to you. Uh, Catholic in name, but not Catholic by means of institution. Because uh, people sometimes hold on to that position of power versus doing what's the right thing. And um, I'm glad you found the courage to do what you did. Um, and open up doors for a lot of other women um, to step into the priesthood to to perform the rituals that are needed for those who will be shunned by other people. Um, you mentioned about Jesus and, and people and they're, how can I say it? I'm trying not to go into what I, what we've been encountering in my place of worship over this Father's Day's month, also Pride Month, because um, our spiritual, my spiritual head has been, he, he would enjoy a conversation with you. Um, he has been dissecting the life of Samson uh, as a Nazarite, not from the goody, goody, good story of Samson, but how Samson basically was a vile person, a selfish person who was chosen, who was giving an assignment without his having a choice in the assignment. And he kept, and if I'm just cut up to the chase and get past that good mark to you, he's like, everything that Samson did, every act he committed, someone died. So there was a man chosen, placed in God's service that allowed his desires to prevent him from doing good things. Uh, bringing that in the context of you, like myself, have known people who have been placed in the service of God who could have a great deal of influence for the good, but they chose to sidestep things and do it their own way. Uh, not for the good of others, but good of self. Um, I'm bringing that back around to what you said and shared thus far. It's the difference in the difference in being that you and I, others like us, we sidestep things for the good of other people. Um, yes. For the good of other people. Unlike the biblical character, Samson, who sidestep things for himself, that nothing ever good came of it. Uh, I have to go deeper into that, but I'm not, because I'm not here to repeat his sermon and for the last three weeks and all that. But I just drew the contrast in that if we're going to sidestep an institution and still have God's blessing upon us, we know God's blessing is there when we see the good of other people, the fruitage of our labors. Uh, no bad tree bears good fruit, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like you're doing now, look at your bio of the website. There's a lot of good fruitage out there. There are women now who are ordained priests that would not have been ordained priests if others hadn't found the courage to actually act out the will of God instead of preach the will of the institution. Yeah, and it and you know it's it's interesting because obviously a lot of time they do align. So it's at certain points where the institution is forced well, well, to well, grow. Well, let me clarify. Yeah, yeah. In alignment with the spiritual side of the institution, not the physical, because the physical yeah. will continue since it was formulation in the Council of Nicaea. Yes, I, I, because of my background, I know a lot about history, biblical history, and church history in general. Uh, it's 
yet like others have chosen to be a male-dominated driven force and for some reason fail to realize that God has used women from the very first time in the Garden of Eden to our present day to be a voice for change, a voice for good. Uh, and it's just not right to continue silence and those, whether it's in Catholicism or elsewhere, to it's not right. It's called it's not right because people, I know. people people are dying. People are dying literally. People are walking walking away from Christianity in all forms. Yes. They don't see the they don't see the in being truly embracing diversity. Uh, right. And what you're doing is one aspect of where I worship at. They're embracing it as much as possible. As more people of different color are coming in or backgrounds are coming in. Uh, but largely an aspect of embracing women is part of that inner culture. Uh, and yeah, I, I battle some of my, my own misogynistic traits a lot because I spent from the age 18 to the mid 40s with a religious institution that women were basically second class citizens. Right. In the sense of you must be submissive you can rise to a level of a minister. You can never rise to a level of power. You can never right. be part of the leadership because you are a woman. And that's not right. Uh, I, can I ask you, Alfred, mm -hmm. what is it that made you really start to recognize that, especially considering how steeped you were in the particular church and faith that formed you? Yeah. What made you start to wait, like awaken? Well, well, I mean, first, I, I came had an encounter with Jehovah's Witnesses when I was like 17 years old. And my background was always one where I was trying to fill a void as a kid because I came from an abusive childhood. So I put it all in context. I was reaching for something. They gave me something I never had. I stayed with it through a 21-year marriage. And the change came one day when I, I was equivalent of a deacon in the regular church. They call it by some other title. When I was following one of my assignments, and I didn't stay to the script of the Watchtower Bible Tract Society as leadership, as governing body. I deviated from the script in the local in the local congregation. And then I deviated again, and next thing I know, I'm only down to giving basic announcements periodically. Then next thing I know, I'm no longer being used as a rising teacher. Uh, um, there were articles that came, so I'm like, then I started doing some research in the study publications we had available. We had all, every Kingdom Hall had its own library, and we have CDs from C, um, CDs that are coming out recording things. And I uh, started to question why certain years were missing in organizational history, because they have all these publications, but certain years have been deleted. Certain books have been removed, and no one only, only thing I would be told is that um, people don't need it, don't need this stuff anymore. It's what apostates or excommunicated people are now using against us, basically. So mm. I'm like, hmm. So we're preaching the absolute truth, but we're hiding the truth. So something ain't right. Interesting. So we can't be telling, knocking on people's doors and saying, I have the truth of the Bible, going to the streets, preaching, doing this. And when you are censoring certain ones of young publications, 
and so people can't see the information. So yeah, so I was like, you know what? It served its purpose. It helped me to have a decent family life. But I'm living, but I'm dead inside. And so I started venturing out to churches and stuff like that, and found myself more empty. Cause like wow. So it's been like a 17 year journey to land at the place of work I'm at now, where the lead I can't they don't, they don't use the term lead pastor. He's elevated himself to the level of bishop in the in the non-anonymous church that I'm part of, and this man, um, Bishop Godby. Former gangbanger turned police officer turned minister. <laughs> <laughs> now so, that's a journey. <laughs> yeah, and all before he's sixty. And so wow. when he preaches like he did about Samson, he lets he's doing that message for us as men to see that we've been given a beautiful story of Samson. But Samson was a death dealer. He was chosen he was placed in the service of God. He didn't. He, he placed in service of God not by choice, like men of Nazarites have a choice. Had a choice back there. He was made one, and yet in his adult life, he became a death dealer, a selfish death dealer. He went against everything that calling was supposed to be representing. He kept deviating, deviating. So as a man, uh, say so he he made a modern equivalent of a guy on the street. Yeah, but all said and done, that's part of my journey where. And that's you know, where I left to take 70 years to land where I'm at. Because knowing what I knew from the Bible and biblical history, I questioned and challenged everything. I mean, so many folk, people mad <laughs> from preachers to deacons. You know, I, yeah, break, yeah. Anyway, that's another. That's a, so what made me leave? I got tired. So now, yeah. now I'm in a place where uh, I don't have. To, I'm not even worried about position or service. I'm just in a place where there's a lot of strong men. Free thinking, I say free thinking spiritual head who two weeks ago on Wednesday, as I dealt with a very traumatic issue, personal issue, I suggested I sit down with him in his office. And I met with him, we sat there, we talked, and he was like very appreciative of me as a black man coming forward. He knew he had been talking about black men and no one help that I was, could be so transparent dealing with no help issues. So, yeah. Um, so when we change in that past environment, I wouldn't have had that freedom. I don't have to do right. it Catholicism. But I would hurry read the Bible more, study more, pray more. I'm going to. I found that 17 years later, landed in a place where. Those things are important. What's more just as important. Is getting your feelings out and trying to be more come more transparent, which is not easy for me. Again, in the culture, as a black man, a wounded black man, mentally wounded, physically wounded black man in the 60s. So yeah, I said I wasn't going to my story so much, but sometimes I think we have to get wounded by those in leadership. As I told, I think I told my fiance, I was raped as a kid. I was raped by religion. And so I get tired. So, yes, I mean that's that is deep, deep trauma. So be able to bring do this podcast, which is I know some people may listen to it. They're like, man, he what? He was. 
I, I'm at a point there I don't care because I well, who hear about these things because there's so many men of color that have been demonized by the media or have been taught for 400 years in this country, hey, you must be this way and be that way. When right. We, when we need healing just like other men of other races, we need spiritual healing, we need mental health counseling, we need the physical, we need it all. So, yeah, so you may say it's kind of deep. I don't think it's as deep no more as it was when I first started talking about it. Because I talk about now the aspect of doing as you did to step away from institutionalized religious doctrine and you must follow the steps. Everything must be in perfect alignment. And you dare not go to the side because God's going to kick you to the side. Yeah, that, but, that but, aspect of con- wanting to control, somehow control yeah, God, yeah, right? Yeah, and whereas you, like myself and countless others, but I'm going back to you and yourself, the movement of women getting ordained as the priesthood, it took, it, it, it didn't only take, I don't think it took an act of God as much as it took an act of courage to say, God, you came here as a man in the flesh. You hung out with all sorts of people. So how to this institution deviate from what you were doing. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Yes. And I, I think um, the first thing I want to say, though, I just want to comment. Your story is such a powerful, it's such powerful evidence of the Paschal mystery, the crucifixion, the death, and the new life that rises. Because even the immense trauma that happened to you, it didn't break you. Somehow you were brought into this new life totally transfigured, more authentically yourself, risen above all of the crucifixion that you have experienced and probably continue to experience as a black person, as a black man Mm -hmm. in the United States, but you continue to rise above it. And to me, that is such the power, like the current of the Holy Spirit. That's Mm -hmm. where it's always driving. That's God's promise to us. No matter what happens to you, I cannot be stopped. Mm -mm. I cannot be stopped. So I just want to acknowledge that. I mean, it's just such a powerful witness to to God, your story. Yeah. Um, Thank you. It's supposed to be about me again. It's supposed to be about you and your story. I know, but <laughs> well, anyway, we're just going wherever it goes. But Pretty much to, as my podcast does anyway. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody bring on the show, we go wherever it goes. Um, That's right. But, follow uh, the flow. Follow the flow because um. uh, at, at the end of the day, I must, this podcast, and, and those who are allowed to come upon on it must be in alignment with the name of the podcast. The life is about more than living. There's I so, love that title. There's so many people that are, are not living life to the fullest. Right. And with the fight now against every DEI program there is in religion and outside of religion with the fight against anything that's going to bring people together in the guise of bringing people together, uh, we must continue to speak up and do as you are doing uh, to the point that one day the number of women in the priesthood will be innumerable. Believe that, wow, we have, we started, this is the number here. Um, yes. Because history, if history repeats itself, Catholicism, like other religious institutions, eventually bend. They may not break, but they bend to the flow ebb of the human tide. And yes. They grow exponentially the more they've been, in my opinion. I I agree. And I think going back to one of the points you made earlier about Constantine. So we often think about 
you know, nations are colonized, but also the church was colonized. Mm -hmm. That early church was colonized and it had, it became an empire early on and it has proceeded as an empire ever since. And it is deeply problematic, the church structure. So I think where Roman Catholicism is, is, is a bit different than other denominations of Christianity yeah. is its worldwide structure. Yeah. I, right. I, I often wonder what would have, what would the world look like if all the bishops had been allowed to attend that Council of Nicaea, not just the one that Constantine wanted there. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause well, so many, that's how it works, right? <laughs> so many people don't. So many people that don't know the history. Uh, all the bishops were not allowed to attend. Only the ones he wanted were voting in his favor. They formed the doctrines that was informed. Uh, but that's. But again, we're in a sea of humanity that's continually changing. But people like you, my, you and I, uh, and institutions do bend. Eventually. <laughs> They do. I think, yeah, I think it's the, it is the work, this ongoing work of the Holy Spirit to really enlighten human consciousness to the desires of God for salvation for all, not just humans, but really for all creation. All creation. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, so in terms of, you know, what, what would women bring to the Roman Catholic priesthood? So I think it's, just, An enormous. They, in your opinion, what would they bring? Yeah, I I think it's a huge. It's how would I say this? It's 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 impossible to overstate. I think what women would bring to the priesthood. So in the Roman Catholic tradition, uh, the church really relies very heavily on symbol and sacrament and ritual for an to create an encounter with God. So in the Catholic tradition. You know, God is invisible, but wants to be known by us, wants to be in a relationship with us. And so symbol and ritual help us to make God visible so that we can encounter God and be touched by God and healed, etc. So, you know, we have bread and wine and oil and water and incense, investments, like everything is designed to help you encounter the divine. So within that framework of understanding, the priest is a very powerful symbol in that. So, you know, a priest puts on their collar and they are no longer themselves as an individual. Exactly. They are representing and making present a different reality, which is it's making present. A priest walks into a room, what you're supposed to see. I mean, it can be argued that you don't see it now because of all the terrible things the church has done. But what you're supposed to be seeing is you're supposed to be reminded of the relationship between Jesus and God and uh, the relationship between Jesus and the church, the Paschal mystery, the resurrection, all of these, the symbol is supposed to be communicating all of these different things. In the Roman church, though, that symbol, so like God's action comes through the symbol to communicate to us. It's totally shaped by the male form alone. And so what happens is it totally warps our understanding of God. So God then becomes male and it warps our understanding of humanity where the male becomes God the pinnacle of God's creation and everything else is ordered as inferior or secondary and worthy of domination, whether that's women or the earth or, 
you know, peoples who are not in power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's that hierarchical yeah. understanding. And then we sort of lose the understanding of what God's desire is. So there's a huge toll. I mean, it can't be overstated how much damage having only the male form occupying that symbol does, not only in the Catholic Church, but as you know, the church has been used in for agendas that are extremely destructive mm -hmm. in the world um, through colonization. Mm -hmm. So as long as some groups, in this case women, but as long as some groups are excluded from that symbolic sacramental action, then they can never be co-equals. Mm -hmm. So there's so much at stake in including women and people of other genders. And, and in the Roman church, it's worldwide. So people of all different countries and different economic backgrounds, everybody needs to be participating in that symbolic life of the church. So diversity, really, it opens up our understanding of who God is, mm -hmm. what God desires for all of us. And I think I think this, in a way, is really sad because it's not that's transcendent in other churches as well, other denominations as well, but not on the same scale as, like you said, of Catholicism or any of the other major worldwide, worldwide um, churches. In a sense that. It's been forgotten. Maybe it's not been forgotten. It's not been. It's not being practiced. That the same God you claim to serve wasn't anything like the way you have, you're portraying him. I know he, it's such a problem. You you only have to go outside. You don't have to go outside of the first four books, canonized books of the New Testament, to see that Jesus was none of what that level of spiritual leadership supports it to be. The church supposedly, Catholics supposedly built upon Peter. Peter was none of that. Women hung with these men, biblically speaking. Yes, absolutely. Prepared meals with these men, ministered according to Timothy. They were ministers. They were, yes. they were all, the book of Timothy, they, were, they, they fulfilled every possible role that God desired for them to fulfill. And if he did not, Jesus, God in the flesh, did not reject these different women in different positions when he was here. Who are you to reject women now is my question. And you, we see that so much going on today in the U.S. with yeah, how yeah. Christianity is still being, I mean, poor Jesus, honestly. He's, Christianity is still being harnessed for an agenda is that is completely ungodly yeah. and against the kingdom. Yeah, I have finished a couple of books on evangel evangelism. Can't say the word right now because I've been both evangelical and Protestant. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> uh, I finished a couple of books on it on the history of evangelical church here in America um, through audio books. I listen to audio books. I'm kind of slacking right now, but yeah, <laughs> uh, in America, it has been harnessed and used. In all sorts of terrible ways. It still is yeah. sometimes, even in our current political climate, which I've finally taken this podcast where it needs to go, crosses the political lines. Um, even now, in this current political climate, I was just reading an article earlier about the orchestration of how Roe vs. Wade got overturned. There are certain religious institutions that are deeply entrenched behind the scenes that want to keep things a certain type of way. 
And right. I'm, and I don't mean no offense by it. But then again, you're in a priesthood, so it shouldn't be offensive to you at all. Uh, myself and others have came to the same conclusion that many of the thought leaders um, in the black community have come to is that white women follow their husbands. So in conservatism, evangelicals, they may get mad about this. Some of them may be listening to this. A lot of audience are people, of, uh, non-black people, white people. They don't follow their own minds. They follow their husbands to keep that status quo as far as the decision-making goes. And that goes back to the church as a whole, Catholicism and Protestantism. When more women like yourself, uh, of the white persuasion or the nationalities come forward and stand up, that change will happen. Definitely more in the priesthood, definitely more in religious in religious leaders uh, in their own institutions. We need more of that. Uh, and again, I said, at the core of what I knew came along, misogynism was deeply ingrained. Woman knows her place. And I still have to battle against that, especially now in my 60s. Because you said, where did I come from? I kind of realized that not only were women utilized in scripture, women have their place now. Women have been the backbone of Christianity yep. since, the, since its founding yes. of this country. Without, <laughs> women, without women in the background, there would have been no uh, uh, can't, I can't think of it right here. No Quakers, uh, prominent denomination in this area. There would not have been an underground railroad. Uh, black and white women, women of all nationalities. Uh, we talk uh, in the Edens in North Carolina, small town near where I grew up at. There's a museum, house turned into museum, which when we think about the Me Too movement, and how that museum is the very first Me Too movement documents and photographs of the women in the very first Me Too movement. It happened in the 1700s. So the Me Too movement is not new. It actually happened in the 1700s. And free black women were part of that movement where the ladies while here in America in the colonies, back in Great Britain, the men started wearing white wigs and dresses protesting what was happening here in the colonies. In North Carolina, even in North Carolina, there was this very influential, influential woman and others here in the South that had the first Me Too movement who stepped up the positions of power. Uh, but that's a little history of North Carolina that I have a chance to step into. Going back to the subject, though, is that women have been influential throughout our history. Y'all need to continue being so uh, influential throughout our history. Um, and you know what? And making I find... history. And making history. And I guarantee you, for the day is over, that ugly side of myself would like to creep in and say, you know what? Sometimes I'm tired of hearing somebody talk about certain things, but I'm conscious of where I've been, so I try to check myself because I want to continue promoting and pushing. You know, women have power. Y'all need to stand up for your power. And, you know, I think this is something that's really interesting in our historical time, I think, which is more and more men like yourselves. Even the men are tired of patriarchy. They have, they're having an awakening that it really doesn't work as a way to organize society. It causes too much harm. You know, the fact that men are well, awakening well, let, to let me, it. Let me say the, the negative patriarchy in the sense of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it in the sense of there can only be one captain or quartermaster at the helm of a boat at a time. However, 
what's being done is the negative dark side of it, where women are not being utilized to their fullest. So where, like, like I said, it's like my place of worship. A lot of times the ladies leave, the bishop is there. But a lot of times the ladies leave the service when he was out of town on a trip. One of the, right. One of, one of his ministers, female ministers, did the, did the service. Uh, so, was, yeah, that equal, the equalizing, yeah. Uh, that part, getting away from the negative side, oh, I'm gone, so I need a man to replace me. No, I need who's qualified to replace me. Doesn't matter yeah. whether a man or woman. And women, women quite often fill in different ways, yeah. Yeah, well, he said there are a lot of us men out here now getting to that point. We're tired. We're tired. Yeah, I'm, I'm really heartened to hear it. And I think I see it in my own life as well. I have a lot of men who are extremely supportive of me and really want to see this change in the Roman Catholic Church, whether they're Catholic or not, right. because they see. So you may not be aware of this, but um, a lot of people are surprised to hear that the Roman Catholic Church is the largest non-government non-governmental provider of healthcare. It's the largest wow. non-governmental provider of education in the entire world, and it is one of the largest land landowners. And it also has a seat at the UN because you know yep. so. It's, it has a, a wields an enormous amount of power. So whether really like whether you're a Catholic or not, you're affected by what the Catholic Church does and yep. the fact that women are absent from the very highest levels of leadership right on down. I mean, down to the local level also in terms of priesthood. I mean, there's like you're saying, there are a lot of women leaders, but they are excluded from governance, really, mm -hmm. of the church at the highest yep. level. So um, it's just deeply problematic, but men are, they want to see change too. And I think what's, what's heartening is we're going to see it, you know, I mean, we're going to see it in my lifetime and it's going to be such an enormous change to celebrate that it's going to impact all of Christianity because of just the power the Roman church has. Mm -hmm. um, and it will be, you know, I mean, it's just going to be magnificent to to witness it. I do believe we're going to see it because men want it also now. I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. We're, we're seeing, I think we're because of podcasts and things like this, we're seeing it even now. Uh, I mean, yes, have new toys. It's already happening. Yeah, and it says I have new toys at the house now. I'm actually using my laptop and my phone. I record to my phone. I could have did it through my laptop. It would be easy to link up. But anyway, all said and done. I've already followed you on Instagram and connected with you on Facebook. So I'm oh, great. Yeah. I follow you on Facebook as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I get, I get, I've got my my personal page and the regular page following you. Uh, so you got great, you have greater reach. Um, Thank you. And, and I bring that into the equation simply because, I, again, I have new toys now. <laughs> so I'm able, <laughs> I'm, able, I'm, able, I'm able to, you know, oh, in, in the in the times past, I would not allow anyone to come on unless they agreed to share the episode on social media, this and that, that and all that. Now, um, I'll simply send you the link when it's all recording. When this is over, um, and then yes, I will share it far and wide. You can share it wherever you want to share it at, and um, it will be linked again when I share it. It'll be linked back to my link to your account and all that good stuff. Uh, the podcast now, though, I believe 
I can look and see. We're on a lot of platforms now. Uh, but I'm just another good thing about this. Uh, as I open it up, and yeah, I, forget, I, I fail to realize sometimes where we're at. We're from, I did a, had to do an update on Apple this morning. But yeah, we're in Google, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, Amazon Pocket. We're everywhere. So you wow. Know, uh, Samsung Music, Boom plays a new one. iHeartRadio is updating since I started a couple of weeks ago doing an episode, two episodes a week again. Uh, iHeartRadio will automatically post this once it, once we finish. Uh, the one I did yesterday morning was posted like 30 seconds later. So yeah, we're there. Uh, we're everywhere. So you can get all those links and send wherever you want. You guys can go on the website itself and share it however you want to share it across the world. Uh, yeah, I say that because uh, this message that we're the subject topic we're talking this topic of our conversation full getting tongue tied again. Topic of our conversation is one that needs to be out there. Uh, yes, it does. The movement regarding Catholicism, the movement regarding the church in general that women should not just be there for the glory of men or to be a, on a man's arm. Women should be there in position of power and be the influence they have been since the beginning of time. Out of the shadows and into the into the light, so to speak. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Amen. May uh, it be so. Yeah, yeah. Um, let it happen because uh, I, again, I'm in a worship culture now where I see it happening all the time. Uh, and again, all the time. Uh, it's, it's, it is what it is. I've seen it before, but not to the degree of freedom I see it now. Right. Uh, it's really taking root now. Yeah, but again, it goes back to the type of spiritual leadership you have. Is it one where you're going to see scripture as women being submissive, being controlled, or women being free to be who they are in God? Uh, that's and that's not one for me to tell you how you're supposed to be in God. It's for you to find out. Uh, believe me, I had enough heavy conversations in the past. Still have some more. I'm <laughs> like, because <laughs> I tend to slip back into that space. But but what but I well, what I appreciate about what you're saying though is kind of like me. I am white, and so I actively have to be anti-racist really investigating because for us, racism is what we breathe. We have to work to become aware of it, to dismantle it. So, it, you know, like being so attentive to all of that and educating ourselves and, and just being in solidarity with black people and people of color. It's just like, it's very similar for men. You know, you really have to encounter how sexism has shaped your way of seeing. Mm -hmm. um, so if the commitment isn't there on men's part to really see, then the whole thing just continues to be perpetuated since yeah. all of society is designed around benefiting men, really. Yeah. So we have just so much growth to do, but I do feel that there is a deep awakening happening. And that is why the backlash is so strong, like the banning of the books yeah. and the work of the Supreme Court to basically roll back kind of all of these, 
you know, things that have been hard won by generations of people. It's because they see it's so threatening to see the end of that worldview that that the work becomes, you know, it's it's just it's like desperate to put down the arising consciousness that's happening across races now it's happening across races across the lgbtq community you know it's just a whole new awakening and it is very threatening so all the stops are being pulled out it's only threatening to those who are not i don't think a plug truly plugged in those who buy into the sound bites of their favorite politician the favorite news channel those who are truly plugged in are not only on social media they're weighing things and thinking through things critically. They're critically analyzing what the media is putting out, whether it's liberal or non-liberal. They're using their brains and not just using their hearts to be led. Uh, they are looking around their communities and seeing whether it's a small town like I came from or a larger place is seeing that, okay, so it's a good they have multi-ra- more, more multiracial couples in my town now. Now, do I need to embrace all the ideals of that? Because it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Right. Uh, or am I going to continue to fight against what's happening? Because the fight will be lost. Thanks to even people who feel everybody has their own opinion on social media. The fight will be lost because social media and all its forms have connected younger people. I'm 60. People and they're no longer sit back on the sidelines. The Woodstock was nothing. The, uh, the, black mu- <laughs> the, black, the, black, the black music festivals in New York that I've studied, read about were nothing compared to with the power of the internet. Internet is what people together, the young people, younger people, as well as older people of the LGBT community, they're out here as couples. They're not hiding no more. Right. The, uh, you can vote and regulate all you want to regulate, but you cannot regulate consciousness. Consciousness, consciousness. I think if you overly regulate it, you will find yourself voted out of office eventually. Yeah, or I mean, I hate to say it, but I think we're heading toward a really dark and dangerous path of violence. Yeah. So you know, when people feel too constrained. Um, yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, I mean, I hope not. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens in this next election. Um, but things are are not in a good place and there is real danger of things going a lot further off the rails. They're off the rails, but they're, they could go a lot further off the rails. I'm going to say this and I said it all the time in different ways. We're not in the 1800s anymore. We're not in the 50s and 60s anymore or the 40s and 20s anymore. The time we live in now, the same ones that may desire violence will be met with violence. Because people are now armed across the I board. know. So therefore, you're not coming to burn a cross on a man's house that can't defend himself. You're not coming right. up with LGBT community members as if they don't also believe in their Second Amendment rights. Um, people, for some reason, it seems to be, I think, the thought that I have guns, I have weapons. No, you're not the only one. They may not say they want to fight for the Second Amendment rights. They'll have to say it. They are practicing it by having the weaponry to defend themselves, period, in the conversation. Uh, I've used the car, I've brought it to some people's attention when it comes to 
some of the mass shootings we had in the past, the guys, coworkers would try to debate me down. I'm like, so those that had guns waited for the police as well. Where was their courage at? Uh, I said, think about it. You want it to be, but you don't have it. So now, yes, we are in dangerous times. Yes, we're maybe here to one more dangerous times, but people across the board are able to defend themselves in ways that they couldn't before. And thankfully, to organizations such as the part, some of them, Poverty Law Center, and other um, um, legal entities, that despite of what the Supreme Court may be, how it may look now, because again, people fail to realize that court is aging. Yes. People, you have death is a great equalizer. I don't wish no ill will upon Clarence Thomas or anyone else, but death is a great equalizer. We all have our time to pass away, to go. Uh, God is the final judge and all of that. Uh, so, and we also, the political spectrum of things, we have the will to sit here and get out and vote when you see more things being taken away from you. Yes, it may lead to some levels of violence, but people across the spectrum are, are well armed to defend themselves. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's no longer that. that it time. is a very different time. Yeah. It's, it's probably the first time when, in the world's history when one nation had more. Uh, we have more guns than people. More guns than people. Yeah. And more civilian gun owners than people. But that, and yet the same persons that seem to be pulling the strings of the traditionally older white males for the most part. However, yes. in that midst of things, they are the ones like yourself, younger white women, younger minorities who are rising up, who are exercising their ability to speak, who those who want to run for office, those who are willing to be excommunicated or disfellowship from a religious organization, those who are willing to leave the Baptist or other church denominations to go forward and say, look, times are changing. The country is beginning to look more like the Constitution said it's supposed to look for all people. Though it wasn't written that way, they put the word verbiage there for all people. So now all right. people are saying we yes. want to be treated as all people. Uh, we also say we want our Second Amendment rights and our 14th Amendment rights and the laws of the land can be changed as will be by Congress or by the Supreme Court making their decisions. At the end of the day, none of us live forever. And my great, I'm a grandparent of a six-year-old, 76-year-old, with five, my son says, call five, five and three-year-old. And the world, they're going to look, they're going to grow up in 10 years from now, 20 years from now. They'll look totally different. Totally different. Yeah. So yes, there's been violent times in our history. Uh, but we've risen above it as a country. Other countries have risen above it. I think whatever happens, we'll rise above this. Uh, it's simply because everybody, there's enough people out here to level the playing field now, so to speak. Uh, and, well, uh, I, lo I love your sense of hope. Well, I, I, really, I, my uh, when I was having sharing with my, my my pastor, what I was sharing with him about my own backstory, he said to me, my paraphrase, what he said. people come out of the darkness of hope dealers. Say that again. People who come out of the darkness of hope dealers. Oh, yes. I love that. The, the darkness 
creates hope. Yes. So people look at darkness and I don't know it's a negative. No, it's not. He said, without darkness, there will be no hope. So you are hope dealing. You deal in hope. So, <laughs> so, so don't 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 look at how bad it was, what you went through. Look at what it created in you. So yeah. yeah, that that striving, you know, that striving of the Holy Spirit to bring everything into reconciliation yeah. with God. Yeah, uh, and, the Holy, and the Holy Spirit operates on believers, or as some said, I don't like using this term, non-believers, as well, because if you really accept the biblical text, there was a thing that the great apostle Paul was saying that those who do not have law do the things of the law. So Holy Spirit operates on all people when you open yourself Absolutely. up to it. Absolutely. But you gotta open yourself up to it though. You may not some of my friends may call it something that God knows what I have an atheist friend, I have some Jewish friends that I've met. they may call it how they want to call it, but at the end of the day, Holy Spirit, God's goodness, God's energy still flows. Yes. So so we we become hope dealers. You are hope dealer. I love it. Hope Father Ann, hope dealer. Because you hashtag are, hashtag hope dealer. Yeah, you can use the hashtag like that because you are speaking for women to speak step into the priesthood in ways that they're not allowed to do so. And they have a desire to do so. You know of those that have a desire to do so. Yet Absolutely. They have not done it once they see this possible that really God is the great ordainer. Yes. Do, much more can be said. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, there can be ritual and ceremony all you want. But your calling is your calling. And I might debate you down and fight you on it because I'm one of those debaters. But at the end of the day, you still know how God spoke to your heart through his spirit, not me. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Usually I go, I go, I, I've been as long as an hour and a half with the right person before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And we're right at about at an hour. Yes. Uh, and then I'll send you the link to this. Perfect. Uh, I will share it. Yep. And with you. with all the all of through all my channels, with all my people, through my electronic newsletter. And I just want to thank you once again, Alfred, not only for having me on, but for your commitment to creating dialogue with people from all different backgrounds who you might not necessarily interact with. I think that these kinds of spaces are more and more important in this divisive country time yeah. that we're in. So I, I just really appreciate what you're up to and I, I'm grateful for it. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, this podcast, Life is About More Than Living, is for all of you who choose to listen to it and replay and those of you who may have caught it live. The more I do it live, the more people catch it live. Uh, do not be afraid to be your authentic self. Step into who you are. Um, this is a great person. I've never met her face to face. I'm on her website. I'm looking at what's happening here. If you are able to go to her GoFundMe page, go to her GoFundMe page. Um, not about, it's not about me, we, me, me Too movement. It's about a movement of humanity. And I know, as I've said in other episodes, you white me in a position of power that follow this because my demographic tells me my research tells me when I look at the numbers, there's about 40% of y'all out here who's in, yes, I check my numbers, I check my statistics. Uh, you're in a position to get, I'm not. You're able to get in the boardrooms and ministry rooms that I cannot right now. Use your voice as an influence for change 
Support people like Father Ann. Support the women in your lives. Support the change that's happening in this country. It's needed. Do not be silent. I challenge you, don't be silent. Uh, you know it may cost you something, but sometimes there's a greater good in it. So I'm speaking to you, my white male audience that follows this podcast. Do not be afraid. Step out there. Engage in conversations, as I have often said, and I'll say it again. The people who do not look like you, talk like you, believe like you. Uh, who, I've had guests on this show from all over the world. And now I found I had a conversation with a Catholic priest, a female Catholic priest, and I appreciate what she said. Pay attention to her words. Go to her website. Check it out. I'm actually going to add her website link uh, to, to the, this episode if I haven't already done so. And um, see what Father Ann is all about. Support her movement, y'all. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you. And you have a great week. Uh, we can't stop what God is God has got going on right now. Regardless of how you refer to him as, his name is constantly being changed throughout human existence. We always, Jehovah to Jesus, God is still listening regardless of how we approach him. His Holy Spirit is still active. This, this woman who came on the show today, this Catholic priest, Father Ann, proof of that movement in this earth. So continue to support uh, her and uh, others like her. Now it seems that God is speaking by means of thunder here in Cary, North Carolina. <laughs> so I'm going to get moving on to something else. But anyway, uh, appreciate you being on. I'd love to have you back again. Uh, I'd love to have you back again with my fiance on as well. Uh, oh, I would love that. Because she has her own show called Tilted Halo. I'll send you the link. Oh, uh, please I do. Lo- I would love for her Tilted to have you. Tilted Halo. That's a great name. You both are very creative. Thank you. I would love for her to have you on her show. Actually, I'm going refer to refer you to her show when I got this podcast today. <laughs> uh, that would be great. Thank uh, you. I appreciate uh, that. Yes. Yes. Power, it's a, I, I rarely ever talk, get into it. It's, it's done through Facebook Live and YouTube. And um, they have all sorts of guests on. I'm going to recommend her, you to her. And they do theirs by means of video. Uh, a live stream so y'all can go deep go, go deep as you want to with her on that show great All well right. i uh i wish you a wonderful summer and i want to wish you blessings on your marriage whenever the wedding happens yeah every time it seems to get closer and closer it <laughs> do you have a date uh the date has the date was supposed to be something no we don't have a date yet you don't have a date yet. Okay. No, well, we, then enjoy your engagement. Well, the thing You're is, 60. You know, well, like, well, just have a good time. Well, the, the thing is, I wanted it to be happening before my 61st birthday. So I'm going to ring out time. And it's went from being a very large wedding to a very small, simple, family-oriented type wedding. Cause okay. Our two families make a small football team of grandkids <laughs> and kids. Well, that sounds fun. Well, you got but, your uh, you got your uh, task in front of you. You yeah, got to make it happen. The first thing, dude, I'm gonna make sure when I, after I send this to you, I'm gonna give her your information so that they can get you on her show. Great, I appreciate.